Yo, 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 what they do, what they do. I'm your host, Aaron J. Jackson, also known as Marvin Bay. I welcome you to the 48th episode of the Behind the Beard Podcast, presented by the FGO Network. And right here, we got a special guest. He go by the name of Loth Blue. For the people don't know who you are, introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, Loth Blue, uh, Brooklyn, New York, recording artist, musician, spoken word, MC poet, uh, born and raised in New York City, uh, currently living in Brooklyn, uh, home base and ready to talk about my process and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were just talking about earlier how, like, last year, how COVID was, like, crazy and shit. But how's 2021 has been treating you so far? Uh, 2021 has been good, I think, for the most part. It's been a space for not even myself, but also other artists to kind of reevaluate and, and, and really get an understanding of their process and their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, being that a lot of things closed down, being that a lot of things aren't really relevant, I think now the only thing for artists to actually focus on is their artistry and just how they uh, curate their work. Right, right. I feel like 2021, well, I feel like 2020 alone, like by us being inside, gave us like kind of like a juice looking back at it now. Like, I don't know about you, but like for me, I kind of like looked at a lot of research did a lot of research on things that I didn't know and apply it to my art. Would you say the same or you would just... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely gave me more time to kind of listen to older music and music mm-hmm. that I wouldn't normally have time to listen to before the pandemic because, like, living in New York is like an ongoing hamster wheel, you know what I'm saying? So you right. kind of lose time more faster than you understand and realize that it's gone already. So... Uh, definitely going back in terms of research and being able to dig deeper into more inspirations and also find newer artists right. or just artists in general that you may not have the time to dig into their discography and figure out if they would add value to your your presentation. Right, right. So jumping gears, you talk about being from Brooklyn and living in Brooklyn. Like, were you, like, born and raised in Brooklyn? Yeah, uh, born and raised in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grew up on McDonough Street in Brooklyn, uh, Bed-Stuy, and moved over to Malcolm X. Um, I spent the majority of, I want to say, the first 16, 17 years of my life in Brooklyn. So Mm -hmm. I've watched it change dramatically. I've been in Brooklyn when the gang culture was at its peak. Um, growing up and be from Brooklyn in the nineties and, and, and kind of learning how to maneuver within that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So talk about your upbringing growing up in Brooklyn, you know, you know, you've seen Brooklyn go from where you said, like from back in the days into now, like how was your upbringing growing up at those times? Yeah. Um, growing up in Brooklyn before, I mean, like coming single mom, uh, mama love holding it down it was either she had to kind of like take care of us or go to work right you know what I'm saying so she had to provide and do what she had to do and for me I had to more or less be a man child <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying so right. kind of like growing up early like, yeah like know. growing up early learning how to cook for myself early learning how to travel two three four trains or buses just to get to school or come home from school so uh, fortunate enough my mom had a lot of trust in how I handled myself, and I was able to reciprocate that by by being up front and maneuvering. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooklyn was a little bit more rough and tough, but I think it was only for the people that lived on the outside. Because I think even though it was um, 
I've, I've seen violence. I've seen a whole lot of things uh, shape Brooklyn, New York. But when you inside the community, you can actually mm-hmm. feel the community presence instead of feeling like you're amongst the threat. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely changed from how it was then versus to, to, to how it is now. And, and you know, I'm glad you talked about that community because community, if you think about it back then, at least, you know, where I come from as well, I think all the neighborhoods around across everywhere, um, the community, I had a conversation with somebody a couple of months ago. They were talking about how back then, like, their fam, like certain families, will look up, look after other people's families and shit like that. They know that. Look, you can spend a night in my house or whatever the case may be. Your mom is at work. Don't worry about that. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy how time changed, but back then, community was a thing. Like that was like a key element, especially in the black communities. You know where we come from, where we come from. So hearing that, that 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 brings me back into like you know everything in the past because you know. Back then was just so like it was just so fun too at the same time you know so um so how did you get into like making music over time while growing up? Damn, uh, it's crazy, man. Growing up in the hood, I mean, like that's what I'm gonna call it. What it was then, right? Um, you either sold drugs, you either play basketball, you either play football, or you rap. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I realized like there was other options in order for you to kind of like express yourself in. But uh, I played ball growing up, uh, broke my leg and in going into high school. So mm-hmm. I knew that was done. Um, grades wasn't good enough to be on a football team. Right. Um, and music, I, by default, I've grown up listening to jay-z on the radio um probably one of the most memorable moments i had was when he dropped dead summer mm-hmm. and funks <laughs> drop played that maybe three four times in a row or just uh uh one thing that brooklyn had a long time ago that it doesn't really have anymore was block parties wow uh block parties was a thing where literally they'll shut the block down from eight in the morning to about seven at night and then everybody would come outside the music would blast but like by Mm -hmm. default outside of the sirens and the and the chaos and 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 like the the violence that went on there was always a place for music that was all that 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 always set the tone for being able to enjoy yourself get over a hard time right if you didn't really have food if the, if, or if the apartment was too cold and you ain't had no heat, you know what I'm saying like you would listen to wow. anything from jamming oldies to Marvin Gaye to to Biggie, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, and 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 uh, that's definitely been the the like the root of my whole being and coming into the the, the whole artistry of music. Right, right. Wow, that just hearing it because you know we're in New York, so. You know, I'm from down south, so just hearing it from a New York perspective on how, like, you got into music, talking about how, like, it wasn't no heat heater and stuff like that, like, that's, like, equivalent to us not having, like, AC mm. in, like, the cribs or whatever, because y'all, y'all have it more, um, more, it's more colder at mm. some season. Y'all have probably all four seasons versus, like, we just have one season, but, um, you talked about Jay-Z, um, coming up like you know that was like one of your inspirations or just what you were listening to who were the other musicians you were listening to over time that got you inspired as well i mean 
I would say, uh, I mean, I growing up, I listened to Mace, mm-hmm. Fabulous, Busta Rhymes was one of the artists of my time that had the most creative music videos that I kind of looked up to and kind of felt like I wasn't just watching the music video, it was much more of uh, a person being in character right. of his element. Um, Jay-Z by default because he ran New York at that time then. Um, a lot of Tupac. Mm-hmm. Um, but that came once like the person my mom was dating at the time introduced me to a lot of Tupac because he was a go-hard Tupac guy. But mm-hmm. uh, um, I mean, growing up in music videos. Oh, I yeah. Mean, like, BT I, 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 and- like, I definitely remember... Music videos coming on, me getting a VCR tape, hitting record, playing all, like literally. You gotta, you gotta, you, <laughs> niggas don't remember them days, boy. Yo, like, like for real, like just pressing record and then re-watching it. And then if time go past, you, I mean, hopefully Mama Loving found that I was recording over one of her tapes or something that she did like and enjoy. I'm saying, so it definitely right. was a... Uh, the 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 ability to be able to consume music and rewatch it over and over, not only from a audio perspective, but the visual aspect right. uh, teaches you a lot about. I mean, even for yourself, of being a photographer, and I'm mm-hmm. saying like a lot of uh, music videos that you've probably watched as a kid and growing up taught you how to view the world differently right. outside of your reality of going to school and so right. forth. Would you say, speaking of visuals, would that has an element towards your work of creativity of how you um, shoot your videos? Because you're very artistically in your videos, I noticed. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, very detailed-oriented as well, too. Yeah. Um, um, it's interesting. A lot of videos now, I mean, they're, 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 they're definitely good videos, but I feel like they all gravitate towards the same aspect of what makes a music video. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of creative ones too. Um, for me, I just like to simplify on all the things that usually create a music video. And I want people to kind of look at the artists and actually listen to what's, uh, being said and, 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 and the message. Cause I think more than anything is you can always go online and see a bunch of cool, dope videos, but how often you'll be able to watch a video that's not so much going on and it kind of forces you right. to to view the artist and understand the artist's uh, way of how he views reality. Right, right, right. So jumping gears, um, so you were listening to music, like you was full thought of listening to music. How did you become a listener into actually making music? Damn, uh... I mean, like, once again, going back to you have four options growing up, basketball, football, musician, or you sold drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I've always, I mean, it was interesting. My cousins lived in Brooklyn. I would go visit them on the other side of Mm Bed-Stuy. And I remember we would put on Dipset beats, just Mm -hmm. instrumentals, and we would play Dreamcast. Mm -hmm. And, like, we would just freestyle just for fun. And like uh I remember my first freestyle was uh it was like I played basketball twenty four seven. I wonder if I die, do they got a court in heaven? 
I'm like maybe like 10, 11. Mm -hmm. To us, that was like the hardest shit we ever heard <laughs> growing up. So I've, so I've always stayed in the pocket of uh, being able to understand music and, and write it down since I've also been fascinated with just poetry mm -hmm. and being able to uh, write lyrics. There's a, there's a special place for me in terms of understanding uh, wordplay. I mean, and, and, and I think a big part of it also, too, just being from Brooklyn. Brooklyn is, I mean, to me, my opinion, one of the best boroughs to live in. <laughs> right. um, and we are like the borough where all the smooth talkers. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that's how I feel about Liberty City back home. <laughs> I mean, so just being able to, to smooth talk just on a day to day with just life, right. with women. Um, there's a certain kind of wordplay and how you understand it. So being able to translate that into to music or translate that into a way of life of how people understand you and how they view you, that's right. a strong element to have. Right. So when let's just say like when a beat when you present a beat, mm -hmm. how do you like what's your process like when it's presented to you? Like and while you're writing your um songs. Yeah, it's uh it's more or less of a feeling, I would say. Um, immediately, it would sort of be like if you, I mean, I can make an analogy example to like a woman. If you see a woman uh, that you really like mm -hmm. or she smells really good, automatically, if you smooth and just how you navigate, you'll automatically have a feeling in terms of how you would want to talk to her. So it's the right. same thing how I view it on a instrumental that I receive uh, it'll probably most nine out of ten times I'll just mumble to myself and I'll get kind of like the melody or the tempo or the certain pocket mm -hmm. of how I would like to uh, engage with the instrumental um, but it, it it usually is like a flow it's like literally like a water flow right, I, I right. kind of have this OCD as well too like I fucking think so fast and my words are always overlapping each other. So for me, it's just a spill of being able to orchestrate the words and then kind of rearrange it right. to what makes more sense. But I genuinely feel like a, a, a kid uh, writing a song. I mean, to me, it's like just as exciting of going to a new girl house or mm -hmm. right. something like that. Right. It's like you, it's something you haven't touched yet. But you know, once you engage with it, it'd be something special that you'll have right, forever. Right, right, right. So, with by you saying that, would you say it's very therapeutic when you're in that element, or when you're in that mode, creating, you know, your music or your songs, and or while you're writing that process? Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, time doesn't really exist in that process. Time is really uh, irrelevant. In a sense, um, I could sit down. I mean, there's be times I sit down and I'm writing to a song and I'm hungry, mm -hmm. but I don't even process the reality of me having to go eat. I'll just stay locked into that because to me, that's more fulfilling than me breaking that kind of like lock in to go sit down and enjoy a meal and take me out of the mind state. So I'd much rather keep that, that feeling that I'm engaged in and stick to that. Right. And and see how far I can go with it. But like, 
if I got a song and I'm writing three verses, I'll probably write two. Mm. I mean, and then if I do have to step out, I'll only have one left and I'll have damn near 70% of a song that'll get me back to that emotion being that I'm reciting it over and over and over again. Right, right. So how would you describe your music style overall? Oh, man, I I actually thought about this recently. Um, Music style would be a pimp mixed with I don't really like to name any artists, but like Andre 3000 and like Gil Scott Heron. Mm. Know what I'm mm. saying like mm. just that, just that tone of being able to communicate where it doesn't feel too harsh on the ears, mm-hmm. but at the same time it has a beautiful enough tempo for you to enjoy it. So I make music that you can listen to if you want to wake up in the morning listening to music. If you want to go prepare, you want to meet a shorty, you want to just have downtime, or you biking, or you just want to listen to something smooth. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that though. <laughs> I get that. You got me on the Android three thousand because I was yeah. looking at, I was actually listening to Ancestors this morning, mm-hmm. and I was just like, wow, like your. It's like with like with your music, you gotta really pay attention every right, detail, right, right, like right. especially the visuals, like because you can literally get lost in the visuals right, with your right, with right. your music. So it's like you you bring a package, and what mm-hmm. I notice, you bring a package towards every little detail that you do. I even noticed the cut the um excuse me the cover like from um I, I, it was called Acapella Dweller, Dweller. Yeah, yeah yeah like it's like that's why i think that's why i end up following you because it's like your your aura your the way your style is like everything is detail oriented and Mm -hmm. and the fact that you mentioned it's like yeah you hit it right there in the teeth when it comes down to that but um on your day on a day-to-day basis that you um you know live here what inspires you throughout the days is going to new york or just brooklyn as overall yeah i mean i spend a lot of time alone uh also, too, because I'm not, I'm not intrigued or fascinated by a lot of things. I mean, like the hyped and fabrication shit don't really move me. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably spend a lot of time biking through New York City. If anybody really ever sees me, really, I'm on the move and I'm flowing. I like to people watch a lot. Um, also, because the things I talk about is real life. Um, mm-hmm. And this, was, this, this is going into something that my mom asked me. A long time ago, because I remember I told her I was like 15, I wanted to be a rapper. And uh, she asked me the hardest question I've ever been asked in my life. She said, what would make you different from every other rapper? She was like fabulous, got the F-A-B-O-L-O-U-S, and mm-hmm. Hove got the It's Your Boy, Jigger, I'm mm-hmm. saying. And like that was a very confusing question at the time because I really didn't know too much of myself in the artistry realm of what direction I was going. Mm-hmm. And I remember I performed in a city uh, pre-pandemic and my mom came to uh, maybe like my third or fourth show. And uh, I was able to answer that question on stage. Uh, and, and like, it was just me being myself. And I'm saying like being myself and who I was truly as an artist is something that no one can copy and even if they 
find a way to copy it. If you're being yourself, you're also evolving and growing every single day. So it's very difficult for someone to copy something that you're still learning about yourself. Right. So that's been able, that's had me, that has had me to be able to make the music I've made and not be kind of compared to another artist because I feel like I, it would be more of a disservice to my tribe of people that's listening and also to myself if I work so hard to find my pocket and what makes me feel comfortable and then to be compared mm -hmm. to somebody because I'm, I wouldn't say inspired by how they kind of do their own thing, but I think individuality is, in, is, is a very important thing, especially in music, especially in, 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 in New York City, because it's so much of a embrace for other people to ride trends and kind of like uh get big off of that right i'm saying if i i was i was holding this conversation with mama love the other day because she always asks about my work and stuff and i tell her all the time i said it would be so much more easier for me to be this popping artist quote unquote mm -hmm. if i was on social media I show how I live, I dressed up, and I post it all the time for my outfits, but at the same time, that's not why I want to be present to people. I want to give people something lyrically that they can listen to. Uh, the The power of music is being able to change people's uh, lives, uh, shift your emotion if you're having a shitty or bad day. Mm -hmm. And for me, I want to be, I'm playing the long game. I mean, like I'm I'm playing for legacy. Right. I mean, uh, not too keen on the quick blow up. Right. Uh, uh, might be rambling, but no, you good. I, I, I had a mentor named Shingo from uh, Japan, and um, he asked me. He said, "Do you know why Picasso was so great?" Mm. And at the time when he asked me the question, I didn't really understand it. Maybe like four years ago, and he said, "Because Picasso had a lot of work." And for me, the longer it takes for just the world to understand what I'm working on, it's kind of better because it's sort of like, just say for instance, one of my next three records blow up really big. Mm -hmm. When people look back in a discography, they'll see, oh shit, he got an album I didn't know about. He got mm. two singles he didn't know about. Oh, he got four mixtapes on SoundCloud. So, like, that as a whole, for someone to... It's like finding a treasure chest. Right. I'm saying? <laughs> so, it's it's, it's uh, definitely something I look forward to. And I don't get discouraged by the long game of how it goes. Because uh, I'm in this, like, just, just, just for me, first and foremost, but more or less for the people that embrace what I'm doing. Right, right, and you know it's like you put yourself in in like from a perspective of people that really consume music that are fans of different musicians. You kind of like you want to hear like, okay, I know the main albums that I love, but what's the other ones that I don't get to hear as often? You just it's like vinyls, you dig, and then once you see that one, I'm like, oh, I gotta hear this. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? So that kind of reminds me of like that. But so as an artist overall, what would you say are the challenges of being an artist like yourself? Oh, uh, man. Uh, going through the emotions, man. I think I think like I've put up more. I put more money into this. I mean, like 
it looked cool, but the amount of investing into yourself that you have to do, you know what I'm saying, like inside uh, Neptune, I mean, I speak about uh, the cool guy I never really want to put in work, you know what I'm saying, like it's, 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 it's everybody want to look good right away, you know mm-hmm. I mean, but I think Everyone, no matter what you do starting out, you got to go through the corny stage when ain't nobody paying attention. You got to go through the stage when people are still confused about what you want, what you're doing. And uh, I think I did have an issue with, with, with just trying to figure out how I felt. But I think uh, just me staying as original in myself Every day is something that inspires me um, because I get to listen to other things and it don't really, I mean, it, it definitely adds, but it doesn't take anything away from my progress and growth. I'm mm-hmm. saying like I know people that get discouraged because there might be somebody else that's in the same range of artistic expression and they doing way better than them. May be younger than them, mm-hmm. may may look like they live in a certain lifestyle, but mm-hmm. in all reality, like you don't know what that person goes through. Right, that person don't know what you go through, and I wouldn't trade my situation for anybody's situation that I think is living a better lifestyle because everything comes with its rotten apples. Right, um, and and long as you're building up your your reflection. Uh, that would be my hardest thing as an artist. Right. It just reflection, just knowing, just just knowing who you are. A lot of my music uh, rotates around just who I am as a person, how I feel uh, on a day to day. So definitely uh, hoping that the music touches and connects people that go through the same shit as depression, learning how to love themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning how to be there for others uh, and keeping an open mind and an open heart. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So let's dive into your recent project, um, mm-hmm. Acapella Dweller. Right. Um, how did that project come about and what was your creative process making it? Oh, uh, man. Uh, I made, I believe, three or four projects on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew my engineer, shout out my engineer uh, at Major Theory. Um I've known him for maybe like 10 years and I would go to his space in Brooklyn because I still record like in a hood in Brooklyn, no fancy studio. And I'm saying like I still record with him. And I remember going to his studio, recording the session. I mean, like we knew each other, but it wasn't like chopping up. I call him. Yeah, I got this song I want to do. I go to the studio, record, Mm -hmm. mix, Mm -hmm. I'll leave. Next song, record, mix, I leave. And uh, I realized I actually wanted to take all this to the next level and I wanted to make an album. So I remember having, being four songs into my album, same thing, recording, mixing, leave. Mm-hmm. And something fell off to me. I knew that the process should feel a little bit more like I'm working with family so I remember coming back. I remember telling him scratch the four songs, and I remember sending him a long text and just letting him know, like, uh, like, yo, man, I really want to do this thing. 
Mm -hmm. I'm saying I'm willing to go broke. I'm willing to put in my last dollar over this just so that uh, I can make this thing happen. This is literally all I've ever really, truly understood, even though I'm, I'm, I'm into a whole bunch of other art stuff. Like, this is one thing that I can understand. And that nobody could take away from me. And he kind of felt that and understood uh, that message that I sent. But I think that initiative step in me being able to express my vulnerability of where I was at a point in my life. And knowing I didn't want to continue living paycheck to paycheck or just having to struggle and figure out what works for me. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been able to build a relationship um, and create this project called acapella dweller um so it turned into just me going to record mix go home to me going to the studio maybe talking for an hour and a half two hours getting into the recording coming out of the studio booth sitting down talking about the process and mm -hmm. and, and and that to me felt more of like a full 360 process that allowed me to kind of create this thing between me and my engineer, because I feel every great artist has their go-to engineer that mm -hmm. they can vibe with, that can mix their records, that understand that I might want reverb as soon as I right, walk in right. the, uh, the booth. So, uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, hope I answered that question too. No, no, I'm, I'm very intrigued because um, I listened to it and, and it was like very. I could tell you took your time with it. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't like it just. It wasn't just like any other project because even like I said back then, it was very detailed and mm -hmm. you could hear it through the sound as well. Um, how long did it take to complete the whole project? Oh, man, That's, that was probably the most conflicting part. I am from, I mean, just coming from Brooklyn, it ain't too many people that help you on things. Mm -hmm. uh, and one thing I would love to say to other artists you got to get out the mindset of trying to do everything yourself. Um, I remember. Man, that's the, I think that's the hardest part. <laughs> yo, man. Like, literally, when I scratched the four songs, I said, fuck it. I'm going to go buy laptop, get Pro Tools. I'm going to get me a microphone, microphone stand. And then reality hit me and was like, oh, shit, I might be learning how to do this for about a year, year and a half when I got somebody who's been doing this for 12-plus years. Mm -hmm. And that's when I sent him, around the time I sent him that message to go, yo, we could do this together. Right. And I mean, and we could really make this thing happen. So it's, I got out of that element of I can do it myself, and then I noticed who was actually there to help me. And, and, like, that's been a, a, a very vital thing for me now. So I have a small team now of people that just believe in my process and allow me to make decisions and support decisions and give opinions. So being able to work a, a, a amongst different people without that ego being in the way, that pride right. being in the way, playing that tug of war and being open to, to options has helped just my growth as an artist uh tremendously right right that's that's wild because just hearing that perspective of it's kind of like really working smart not hard like of like getting people different resources to help you out mm -hmm. and build that uh project uh for yourself um what would you say has to be your favorite track from the project okay uh 
also going back, it took me, I want to say it took me about a year and like seven months to finish the the entire project. Mm-hmm. Um, going in from recording and canceling and coming back and recording everything over. Uh, favorite record on the album? I know it's kind of hard. <laughs> uh, okay, I would say I have two answers. Production wise, I'll give you my favorite record and uh, lyrically, my favorite record that I love. Uh, my most fun record that I appreciate on the album has to be Ultra Gold. No, lyrically, Ultra Gold. Um, because that was actually the last song that I wrote for my album. Wow. Uh, and that's why I, because it, it was this huge reflection thing. Just even in the intro of the, uh, of the song, I said, if I rap about my life, would you view me different? You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like being able to be vulnerable to people and having them being able to accept that aside from who they thought or think you are as a person. Right. I mean, and then letting them into your world uh, that way. Um so just from a lyrical and just being just being open and, and, and honest with people would be Ultra Gold, which is track number one. And I think my second fun record uh, would be probably Green Kool-Aid. Wow. Um, Why is that? Because that was the song that I sat down with. Uh, shout out Kaylin, um, PR Perspective. Um he used to come to my apartment in Lower East Side uh, when I was living in the city. And uh, he would come over maybe like two, three times a week. And I remember him playing a song for me. And I remember immediately going, this is, I like this. Mm-hmm. So I remember writing to the song, maybe it took me about like three, four days. At the time I was having my herb and enjoying myself living in the city is so much like distractions and stuff going mm-hmm. on so me actually sitting with the song and and doing the song and then going to record it and then uh just that string is that it's, it's a certain string in it that sounds similar to like what dr dre would use and like the chronic or something like that right. it gave me more of like a laid-back east coast combined with like the west coast kind of aesthetic mm-hmm what would you say has to be your favorite thing about recording while you're in the studio or just overall? Best thing about recording. Uh, the best thing about recording that I've accomplished, I'm going to add on to that, mm-hmm. would be staying in my personal space, creating a song, and then going to the studio and it's sounding the same way, and if not even better, in recording. Um, I think there's a relationship that needs to be made with the microphone and just voice. I'm so keen on just the clarity and how I pronounce words and understanding the different ranges of how close, how far I need to be for the microphone. So a lot of like my SoundCloud music, I was figuring out my tone of how I wanted to sound, right? Uh, how close I wanted to be to the microphone, because that changes a lot versus when it starts to get mixed and mastered, and 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 it changes so much from a technical thing. So, so my better cut you off, but yeah, you do you think that by you like you know, because I know most musicians they kind of mumble at the first mm-hmm. go around when they 
get used to the song, whatever. Is mm-hmm. does that has a role into that? Uh, to be honest, my my OCD that I have plays a role. I don't go to the studio and record a song unless I know about heart. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. so like literally because I for me holding a phone in the booth, you you don't really get as much intimate movement. But if you know the record off the top, you can close your eyes. You can kind of move your body. You can kind of uh, you can kind of sway. You can laugh. You can feel yourself, and it's just a bit more. It's a bit more of a. a, a Organic feeling for me. Right, right, right. So I got a few more questions left. So mm-hmm. what's next for you? Uh, oh man. Um, next for me, I just, I just got me uh, PR. Got me some PR. Um, it's up for now. <laughs> word, got me some PR. I mean, I pretty much got the rest of my year planned out musically. Um, I will be releasing. A few more records, and then I'm gonna go hiatus until my EP uh, early next year. Oh. Um, I will be. This would be. This was. I mean, acapella dweller to me is the root, so it's a classic and just my <laughs> book of artistry. It's always the baby. That's the, that's the baby. <laughs> but like the direction that I'm going, and 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 musically and sonically of how my next project is going to sound is going to be beautiful it's gonna be beautiful it's gonna be beautiful beautiful so i'm excited to work with that working with a producer that's out in canada well uh so the aesthetic and sound is it's in a pocket of where i want to take my music and it'll be more of a universal uh feeling i'm going to bring a feeling back that i've grew up on mm-hmm. so you have any advice for someone that wants to do the same similar or a similar path that you took in this music game or just overall as a person? Yeah, I would just say something I read recently is it says the thing that you are seeking is seeking you. Mm-hmm. And I would just say that to say um, just lock in on something you love, man. Even if even if you have three, four things that you love. If you pick one and lock in on it, the other two or the other three or the other four tie in eventually. Um, This is probably the most discouraging thing you can do is get into a process when you believe in something that you love. Because you're going to go through the emotions of not feeling good enough. You're going to go through the motions of maybe this shit ain't going to work. You're going to go through the motions of not knowing if you should continue. You're going to go through the motions of people not acknowledging you for who you want to become. But I think when you stick on anything long enough and people believe your story, they'll pay for anything. Man. Right. So it's so it's really about just the consistency, the, the, the consistency, all the emotions that you have, self-doubt, discouragement and hatred, whatever you have bottled up inside of you put that into your work because on the other side there's somebody that feels exactly like you or who has felt exactly like you so they'll be able to reciprocate or just reconjure that emotion and it'll help them connect and vice versa right right so uh how can people get hold of you uh instagram is uh 
The Loft Blue, T-H-E-L-O-F-T-B-L-U-E, all one word. Uh, you can check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Loft Blue, all one word once again. And Spotify, Apple Music, all streaming platforms, uh, mm-hmm. Loft Blue, L-O-F-T-B-L-U-E. You can check out my debut album, came out July 3rd, 2020. You can check out Vibe, my single, and my recent single that I just put out called uh, Neptune. And I have something special coming also uh, in June. Mm-hmm. And we'll put everything on the um, description as well. But, um, yeah, man, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate Yo. you coming on the show and um, actually get to vibe with you and connect with you as well, too, man. Yo, massive, so. massive, massive peace and love. Much love, much love. <laughs> So, episode 48, um, I'll see you guys next week, and we out.